the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. In a few moments, we'll catch up with two of my old buddies. Uh, Both of them I've known for uh, years and years now. Uh, Woody Woodrum will be with us first from San Diego, California. Get an update on the ground. What's happening in California, as my father-in-law calls it. He lives up in Simi Valley, California. We'll see what Woody Woodrum says about the races, about what's going on, if there's any hope uh, or if there's no hope, he'll tell us. He's a straight shooter, uh, retired Navy man. And then we'll talk with John Schlafly. It's been a long week for John Schlafly. He was one of the stars of the Eagle Council 51 in St. Louis last weekend. Then he was out in Washington, D.C. as a part of a a patent event. In fact, Woody Woodrum was there, too, a big event with a couple of congressmen, lots of heavy hitters, lots of people. It was a great event. And John Schlafly's been on the road, so we'll talk with John Schlafly about his column. His column this week is about the censorship problem, the censorship problem. And uh, let me set something up for you. You've heard me talk about the narrative machine, the narrative machine. That's big tech, big media, and big government. They work together to tell you what the truth is. They hammer it into you. They don't let you have any other version of the truth except what they want. But here's a different one. I want to. I like to name things, right? And I used to say last time in the last uh, during the presidential years of Donald Trump, I called it Trump exhaustion syndrome, not Trump derangement syndrome. Trump exhaustion syndrome was uh, what they wanted to do uh, to try to tire you out, tire you out. Okay, so and now it's Trump obsessive disorder. T.O.D. Trump obsessive disorder. It's you look at the newspaper, you look at the Internet, you look at the TV, listen to radio. All people can do is talk about Donald Trump. They never stop. And in fact, they become heroes in their mind, in their own mind, I guess. But in the world that they're in by by writing about and talking about and remembering how tough they were at disliking Trump. So the newest one is Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen, who is the uh, the former Federal Reserve chairman. And she probably is in the news a little bit this week. She's got she's she was interviewed at length and that's what she's being quoted about. But also this week is her successor as Federal Reserve chairman. Jay Powell has been hiking uh, rates and the economy is tanking because of it. But uh, Janet Yellen, be that as it may, she was in an Obama appointee. She wanted to be reappointed by Trump. She went about trying to influence that. Now that she didn't get it, uh, this is years ago, four, three, three years ago, she now is is telling all. And the tell all is that, oh, I really didn't like Trump. He was terrible, uh, blah, 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 all this stuff. And the Trump obsessive disorder, T.O.D., is something that you have to over and over say what's wrong with Trump and that you always knew it. And that you were on the side of the people that opposed it. And that somehow you were dramatically in the middle of being in the opposition, even though you didn't do anything. Here's another one. Uh, The attorney general of New York, she has this civil lawsuit against Donald Trump and his family for supposedly inflating the value of their assets in bank loans. 
And so she dramatically, she's gone out and she's had these press conferences, Letitia James, and she's obsessed with Trump. She's obsessed with him. She did it. She put out campaign ads now. She had fundraising calls all about Trump. And meanwhile, as someone pointed out so aptly, if the banks were defrauded, where are the banks? There's no banks that are complaining. There's no lawsuits that are happening. It's completely Trump obsessive disorder. T-O-D, Todd, you get the Todd. If you get the Todd, you can't get, get rid of the Todd. It's unbelievable. And you have to wonder, at a certain point, it feels like the media and everybody else, they just want Trump to run because they want to cover it. Because why? Because half the country loves the guy, thinks he's a fighter and on their side, and fully half the country hates him, despises him. I met a friend of mine. He's a really smart guy. Really talented guy who's telling me his 22 year old daughter, all she does. And she's, he said, she's not a total liberal. All she does is just hate Trump. She's got tons of energy to hate Trump. He said, it's like, a, a, again, he didn't say he didn't say it's a disorder. I'm saying, but he described it. He said, it's like, it's not connected to any reality. It's just this sort of obsessive. He didn't say this. This is me again. Obsessive disorder. Trump TOD Trump obsessive disorder. It gets into people's brains. Do, do me a favor though. Put on anything. The television, put on the radio, go to the internet, a website, go to a news site, any site, and ask yourself just to look and say, I would say one out of three occurrences, whether it's a story, a commentary, or anything else, is always Trump, at least one out of three. It's probably closer to 50%. But you can go to anywhere, and it's, and it's not just left. It's right. It's center. You'll get these gratuitous, you get an article, you'll get a, a, a lengthy article about the royal family and the funeral of the queen. And in the midst of it, you'll get a knock on Trump or you'll get a mention of Trump or you'll get some connection to Trump. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary obsessive disorder that is everywhere. And it's amazing to watch. So anyway, that's that's my newest one. As we head into the weekend, watch for Trump obsessive disorder, T.O.D., and see how frequently it's not so much that people are deranged. Although I think there are some are TDS is real, you know, Trump derangement syndrome, but it's more Trump obsessive disorder. And especially because so many entities that should that you would think were like, you know, better than that or bigger than that. They're happy to be in the middle of all the Trump stuff. And, you know, on, online and everywhere else, it sells. That's part of the big thing there. You know, the old follow the money thing. But uh, talk to people and see. I'm, I'm going to a, over the weekend, I'm going to a, a big social event for one of my kids schools and I'm sort of dreading how much of the Trump uh, obsessive disorder will evidence itself. We'll see. All right. That's all I've got. We'll be back in a moment. We'll talk with John Schlafly and Woody Woodrum today. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report. Back. In a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with Woody Woodrum. Woody Woodrum, of course, is uh, a longtime uh, political, I don't know if we call him an operative, a political activist uh, out in California, has played a role across the whole state of California and especially in Southern California, his home uh, now down in San Diego area. He's a founder of the California Screaming Eagles, as well as uh, active in a number of different organizations, including the California Republican Party. So welcome back, Woody. And uh, tell me, first of all, what's it looking like? like uh in november in terms of the republican party are you are you sensing a red wave 
Well, you know, Ed, there's a lot of activity going on out here. Is there going to be, a, I, I think there's going to be a red trickle in California, a red wave. <laughs> I'm not real sure. Uh, the, the Republican Party is trying to do a lot. But the good thing is there are a lot of activists out here that are grassroots, and they are doing a lot of things and are getting behind some of the candidates. And it's the first time in years I've seen this type of activity. Of course, you know, I was just back east uh, visiting you, and what a, what a great event you put on with the, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Congressman Massey and Congressman uh, Gomart and uh, the panels that you had on patents, uh, absolutely fabulous. But one of the things that I noticed why Californians are so upset in downtown Washington, D.C., price of fuel is about a dollar twenty a gallon cheaper than it is here in California. Wow. Oh, wow. Really? That's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, we're talking about Woody Woodrowman, as mentioned. Uh, we did have this great event. I have to say, Tom Massey, Congressman Thomas Massey, um, I think he's the only guy in Congress who went to MIT, and then Louis Gohmert is a fighter, Congressman Gohmert, and the next day after um, Thomas Massey's event, I don't know if you saw this, he was on the floor uh, asking, who is Ray Epps? And, and trying to push uh, people, if you're going to get to the bottom of January 6th, why don't you get to the bottom of that. But yeah, no, look, the economy is way off. I guess the question is, you know, you sort of sit there and you slog away. And I should say Woody Woodrum um, back in uh, in 2016, he was instrumental in hundreds of thousands of phone calls and voter contacts uh, by volunteers in California to other parts of the country, because if you're going to help, say, Trump in that case, you, you know, you're not going to win California. But but uh, but Woody, what about things like um, uh, Lan He Chen, who's running for comptroller? Um, how do you think his chances are? I mean, it is it's a good year to not be a Democrat, but is that still not enough in the state of California? That's kind of an interesting point. You know, uh, my take on his uh, race, I think right now it's probably a toss up. It's a 50 50 race, I believe, because he is out there. He's doing the right thing. He's talking about the results and the character and the and the voting history and what his opponent has done or maybe I should say has not done. And this is basically just a rubber stamp for anything that Governor Newsom wants to push through all these radical things that's going on. And the comptroller's job is to be, you know, is to his you know, they have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that the money is being spent where it's supposed to be spent. And right. if you look at California, one of the things that, that they constantly do is they come, you know, we've got we've got these propositions that come up where uh, they, you know, they don't want to vote in a new tax. So they'll put it out there and they say, well, we need to do this if the voters approve it. And, uh, you know, we can we can add this new tax. It's the same thing. It's just a different way of them adding a tax. And people are getting upset with that. They're getting so frustrated. A lot of people are just literally leaving their homes. Yeah, there's a huge exodus in California going to Tennessee and Texas and Florida. Uh, the tech industry and the uh, uh, the movie industry is going to, uh, you know, to these various different states. And the, and the financial industry up in the in the Bay Area, they're also leaving. Uh, hmm. Same thing has happened in New York. We lost a congressional seat. People are frustrated, and I think that they're they're starting to take notice. We'll we'll find out. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about you know the mail-in ballots and everything. You know our voting you know our voting day starts here in uh, in about another week or so. Our voting day starts for the next uh, six weeks or so. Right, uh, right, right, right. Exactly. Crazy. Now, um, Woody, now Woody, um, and what, excuse me, Woody Woodrum, founder of the California Screaming Eagles, active in the California Republic. 
Republican Party, um, early Trump supporter and influential in the Trump volunteer uh, Trump campaign and helping volunteers. Um, what about the local level? You know, we've heard for years, you know, county, Orange County, certain areas around San Diego will go more Republican. Uh, you know, as as you point out, gasoline prices or fuel prices are up, not just gas, not just regular gas, but diesel. Um, small businesses are strained. Uh, the stock market is is down below 30,000 for uh, the first time in in months and months. Um, you know, it feels like the fundamentals are off. Usually that means that you'll see the party in power be uh, be a little bit, you know, have, have a little bit of a problem or a big problem, depending on where you are. What are you thinking on the ground? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and even more, is there the movement that's sweeping across the country on, say, school boards where parents are pushing in and saying, hey, I, I, we want control. What do you see in closer to the ground than statewide uh, California races? Well, we've got a couple of uh, different things and along those lines, Ed, uh, there's uh, two things that I'd like to talk about in that. One is like you just mentioned, the school boards. We have a lot of people that are just really frustrated with the things that are going on in our schools. And they've been showing up at the school board meetings. They've been showing up at the county supervisors meetings. They've been showing up at the city council meetings. And they're frustrated about this. There are a number of candidates that are getting out there. And I think that we're going to see some changes in our local school boards. Uh, and, and the other the thing is we've got uh, we have uh, an upside down in San Diego County. We've got a, a three to two uh, supervisory districts and, and the president of the supervisors, a uh, guy that's been out here, just very, very left wing radical Democrat. He has an opponent out there who has that has been what she has basically been building her reputation on for the last two years is the mass mandates, uh, the jab for the, yeah. the shots and right. and hitting very heavily on the schools and what's being taught in our schools. She has got a huge following out here. And I think it as a as a political unknown, as a grassroots political unknown, I think that she's got I think that's going to be a 60 40 race in her favor. I, I think that she has a shot at taking over, uh, you know, the established school, the established supervisor um, of the county board of supervisors here in San Diego County. And I'm seeing some things in other counties also where we're getting a lot of people that are getting engaged in the school boards up and down the state of California. Uh, not so much. I, I don't see as much activity in Los Angeles yet. Uh, huh. Hopefully next election we will. But uh, but the other counties, Orange County, Imperial County, San Diego County, uh, uh, and, and, of course, all of the, uh, you know, the northern and central California counties, which are very, very conservative, uh, that's happening. But here's another thing. If you look at the demographics in California, you know, we have 58 counties and there's 58. Uh, supposedly, there's going to be 58 uh, Republican Party uh, central committees in each one of those. Those are those are changing. We probably have I'm going to say 22 to 23 of the 58 counties over the past year and a half, uh, 18, 18 to 24 months, let's say. I think that they, it's, uh, you know, on my radar screen, they have changed from kind of middle of the road or establishment to the conservative side. So we're getting more and more of the county chairs that are involved in that. And however, the county chairs are going to be pushing things, they're going to push it in that in that specific direction. And this is kind of going against, you know, California, the, the CAGOP at the state level is very, very much establishment with uh, with our chairwoman, uh, Jessica Patterson, and 
uh, Kevin McCarthy, who are basically running that. You know, it's uh, it's a pretty heavily establishment statewide, but I'm seeing some transition in that. And my hope is, is that we can make that transition go even further in the next well, six months to a year. We're talking. Uh, yeah, we're talking Woody Woodrum, uh, the uh, <clears throat> California Screaming Eagles head down in in San Diego and activist in lots of ways. Um Woody, how do you think that? It's funny you say that. I, I, I sort of had put it aside. How do you think that mask mandates and, and all is going to play out? I mean, we obviously have sort of some Monday morning quarterbacking by a lot of so-called conservatives who now want to sort of revise history and not look like they were complicit in all the shutdowns. And so you you sort of see it's hard to find a Republican who uh, will, will remember that, uh, you know, two thirds of the Republicans went for the shutdowns. But but it's been we haven't had that many elections uh, since we've been free and clear a little bit. And I wonder if the, the covid restrictions are going to, uh, you know, the, the, the there's going to be enough of a memory to punish one side or the other. What do you think? I You know, and when I was flying this week, uh, I noticed that some people are still wearing masks, but most of the airports are open. Uh, Washington, D.C. is open for the most part. Uh, California, in most areas, has been open for a while. And uh, I, I think what's going to happen is people will have a short memory on the mask mandates. Right. But what is not going to be lost is, the, uh, in my opinion, is this thing about people taking the uh, uh you know the the vaccine and the right. and mandatory the yeah. shots yeah mandatory yeah, yeah. and the military as you're aware is still going through that and i think that's going to be lifted but people there were a lot of people that lost their loved ones during this and there was a you know the mass mandates was a big fear thing in in my opinion i think there was a lot of fear that that put in place that if you don't do this you're going to cause this and right. we now know that you know we're seeing more and more data that says that that's just not true as we get as we get, as we build the data and and instead of having the uh, the rhetoric that's being pushed on you, the data shows differently. But people lost a lot of loved ones on that, and I think that people are, are have lost confidence in the uh, in the in our healthcare system, which is you know because of Fossey and the things that went on there. And I yeah. think that's really that's a disservice that the government has done. And I still hear at the grassroots level people talking about that. The mass mandates, they didn't like it. It it hurt the children, and that's one of the things that they're talking about at the school boards is that these have set our children back because of the mass mandates. Our children have have gone through a you know a year and a half or so of uh, of all these masks, which has has restricted their developments, and they're starting to see some uh, some things and some impacts. And unfortunately, they don't know the long term impact. So I think that there there is going to be some in that. But I, as far as the mandate itself, uh, it was a it was a problem uh, in in so far that it was more of a hassle to make sure. Oh, I got to go back well, to the car and get my mask, yeah. but. I think that the, the it's going to be there, but it's, I don't think that it's going to be an overarching major player. Uh, we're world. talking again, Woody, Woody Woodrum, California Screaming Eagles. One last line of questions. Uh, one question, I guess, is uh, the the national uh, media likes to, to by this time in election they they try to say that the polls are are I mean they lie about the polls in my opinion. And every, every right now, always uh, directionally against sort of uh, America first, and so it's happening now again. There's now so coming in saying, oh, it's going to be really a toss up election, all that it, it, on the ground. We're talking now federal races, Congress, uh, you know, Daryl Issa in, in Republican districts. There's no reason to expect anything other than uh, and success. Is there any are there any swing districts, uh, congressional districts that might go Republican that would surprise people? 
Well, there's one here in San Diego that I'm watching. Brian Marriott uh, is running up in the uh, in northern San Diego County. I think that uh, this is his second time running for that seat, and I think he's got a good shot. I think that that's going to be you know going to be one of these uh, cliffhangers. You know, it's going to it could be like a 49 to 51, and it's a toss up which way it's going to go. I think that there's there is a possibility that Brian could actually win that. That's going to be that we have bellwether to watch. All right. Woody Woodrum, we will be watching as always. Thank you, uh, Woody Woodrum, California Screaming Eagles out there in San Diego. As uh, Woody mentioned, lots of uh, lots of issues that are over uh, overlying, you know, overlaying these uh, this uh, cycle. In fact, I mentioned one. I'm going to come back around to it, Woody, next week uh, uh, and get maybe get an expert on it about the impact of the mandatory vaccines on the military. There's a bunch of folks that have contested that. And, you know, you sort of wonder if as the president of the United States announced that we're through the pandemic. Well, uh, is that going to salvage some of these? Uh, men and women's jobs. We'll find out. All right. Got to run. Woody Woodrum, everybody. Thanks, Woody. And we will take a break and we'll be right back. It's uh, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. Now, John Schlafly has been busy this week. I saw him out in the swamp. He came out for a big event there for on patents. We've talked about it before. And then, of course, last weekend, uh, we were all together in St. Louis with our big Eagle Council uh, 51 and had a bunch of uh, hot shots in town. And uh, that's not, not even not even talking about Bannon. I'm talking about uh, leaders from uh, Idaho and Oregon and, and Montana and Illinois and Florida all coming together. So, John, uh, probably jet lagged and, and winded, but he did have time to do another column where he took another whack at big tech this time. Uh, he and Andy Schlafly, their column runs over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Court slams big tech. Uh, welcome back, John. How are you? I, I'm good, Ed. Uh, and good to be back at my desk and talking to you again. <laughs> well, John, um, did you follow, by the way, that Facebook in the last 24 hours, Facebook's um, top uh, executive announced that he will be in charge of uh, of of whether Donald Trump gets back on Facebook. And I, I I have to admit, I forgot the details of that one. Facebook suspended um, Donald Trump for two years from January 7th, 2021. And it's coming up on two years in a few months. And the guy, Nick Clegg, announced that he would be um the one deciding this, and he is a former politician. He's a liberal Democrat leader from um, from the UK, from England, and he's going to decide. Did you, did you follow that story? Well, uh, not the recent developments, but I knew that uh, Nick Clegg uh, has been in charge of this. Uh, you know, censorship at Facebook, or what they I guess what they call moderation. Uh, but this is exactly the issue, Ed, that is has reached opposing decisions by two of our federal circuit courts. And the case is probably going to the Supreme Court. And the question is whether Twitter and Facebook and uh, YouTube and uh, Google and Instagram and all of those giant companies can have that kind of power over the public that uh, relies upon their monopoly platforms. 
Well, and but it's clear that they do. I mean, and again, Nick Clegg is a, a, a well-known liberal Democrat. Can you imagine if um, a well-known uh, conservative Republican was put in charge of the censorship or whatever, as you say, a content moderation yeah. for Twitter? I mean, he's a well-known liberal. I'm well-known. He's yeah. a partisan. And, I mean, and so. And in fact, Ed, I mean, liberal Democrat, that's the name of their party over in. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, England. exactly. Exactly. So. So, our, so our, you're not you're not using a, you know, a, a nefarious term. That's what they call themselves. Well, exactly. And, John, what I'm what I'm asking, though, now is you say there's a split in the courts and you think it will go up to it could go up to the Supreme Court. How, how do we get here? And I guess as conservatives, what's the what's the move me through the argument where we have to um, we have these behemoths, uh, uh, private companies, but that their impact is, is such. I mean, how do how do we get that we should be regulating it or controlling it from from uh, from the law? Well, Ed, as I'm, I'm sure as everyone understands, because it's so well established that the first that under the First Amendment, newspapers uh, can control what they publish in their papers. Uh, I mean, and they can they can uh, put only one side on their editorial page if they want to. But uh, the argument that has been made in both Florida and Texas, with which passed each passed a very similar law, saying that these social media platforms are not like newspapers. They're more like, well, we'll say the telephone company. Mm -hmm. I mean, the telephone company cannot control what you say when you make a telephone call because a telephone company is a common carrier or the United States Postal Service. The Postal Service cannot control what you put inside an envelope and seal it and send it by first-class mail. That's your free speech to say to the limits of the First Amendment. So the the argument by the, uh, the law passed by Texas and Florida is that the social media giants, which have more than 50 million uh, users, uh, are, are, should be treated like that. And, uh, and uh, people should be allowed to sign up and have pla- uh, to, for those platforms should be entitled and and we can't allow these companies to simply decide that they're not going to allow Donald Trump to be on their platform. I mean, how outrageous is that? Donald Trump was deplatformed as you say in January of 2021 and he's been without a voice to most of the country since then. And that we that's uh, for people who talk about our democracy uh for the leader of one of our two political parties to be essentially shut out of communications uh, for the American people, I mean, that we can't allow that to happen. And uh, one of the two courts that who heard these cases has agreed with that argument. And that was a decision that just came out a few days ago. I think it was last Friday night. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. Again, his column is over at uh, townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. He writes a weekly column with his uh, brother, Andy. Um, John, what's the so what's the remedy? Is the remedy that any voice is allowed? I mean, how, again, how do you I, I mean, I, by the way, one of the things that happened is Texas legislature passed a law. So they were saying, hey, we we want control in our jurisdiction. We're going to protect our, uh, I guess, listeners or viewers this way. And that's what's at stake. Right. I mean, that's that's of how this is not a federal um, action. This is a state action that's getting uh, fought out in the federal courts. 
yes, in both uh, Texas and Florida passed these similar laws, and uh, you're right, they only apply in their own states. But, of course, it's not really practical uh, for Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter to uh, have you know, to have specific products in, in just one state. So, uh, uh, but it's true that, uh, you know, it could only be enforced inside a state, but, you know, but it's gone into federal court. And now we have dueling opinions by two federal appellate courts. Uh, the one circuit court that covers Florida and the one circuit court that covers Texas, who came to opposite opinions and, uh, so now, you know, both sides now are expect that they will likely be appealed to the Supreme Court. In fact, Florida has already appealed uh, that decision to the Supreme Court. That petition for certiorari was just filed, I believe it was on Wednesday of this week, two days ago. Um, John, a different ver- variation of the same of the, sort of the same topic. Um when I watched uh, the, the when I looked closely at the lawsuit in um, New York State, it's a civil lawsuit filed by the Attorney General of 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 New, Jer- of New York. Excuse me, if I said New Jersey, New York, against Donald Trump and his family. And then I read the and I read and I read the specifics. I didn't read the actual complaint, but I read the specifics of it. Then I watched the coverage of it, and the coverage of it was so unconnected to the reality of it. It it basically was uh, like Trump did something. He got caught doing something. It's a civil suit, by the way. It's not this is it's not a criminal at all. And my my point here, John, is at a certain point that the the um, coverage is so biased in one way. And I'm I'm back to this again. I think I did it to you last week. Um, Labor Secretary Raymond Donovan of the Reagan era said when he was acquitted after having been dragged through the mud for five or six years, which office do I go to to get my reputation back? The, 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 the version of that is that we have constant drumbeat of distortions at best, outright lies at worst, at worst, and uh, on all the platforms. And I don't know, I don't, we, we, we can't get the truth squad. So what, how, do, how did we get through this? Well, the New York Attorney General, you know, she ran for office in the first place uh, on a platform of suing Trump. And she has delivered on that. And, uh, you know, we, we should not allow our Justice Department, not only the federal Justice Department, but at the state Justice Departments to be used for political purposes the way she's doing it. And the lawsuit, that particular lawsuit that was just filed, uh, it is ridiculous. You know, the argument of the lawsuit is that Trump, you know, exaggerated the value of his real estate when he applied for bank loans. And, you know, it, of course, it is, yes, it is an offense to misrepresent the value of collateral when you apply for bank loans. So there's that basis. And yet none, none of those banks lost a penny. I mean, Trump paid back his bank loans. The banks aren't suing. The banks were injured. Nobody was injured. And so really that lawsuit ought to be laughed out of court. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, there is no, you know, uh, first of all, the valuation of real estate is uh, completely uh, it's imprecise, to say the least. And there's a wide range of value that can be placed on real estate. It's not a criminal offense. And the New York Attorney General doesn't even claim it was a criminal offense. She's making a civil claim. And yet uh, there's no one has suffered any damages from 
the allegations she made. So I don't see really how that suit can survive. Well, I, I know, I, I know, I know, I know it won't survive, but I mean, I, it, its effect is, its effect is this kind of constant drumbeat of negativity. I mean, I, I, you know, and I know yes. what people say that, oh, well, and I think politi- politicians all in agreement, it's helping Donald Trump. I mean, in, in with the Republican base, there's no doubt about it. I agree with that, but it, it's, we're living in a world where it's almost shamelessly disingenuous again, or yeah. dishonest. It is helping Trump within his base, no question. But it could be damaging the Republican Party as we uh, exactly. run up to the midterm elections. Right, right. That's I mean, and that's and that's um that's uh, one of your points has been uh, in in you and I in discussion, and I've seen you speaking publicly. I mean, the 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 idea that. 50 days before the election, you're just filing this, these suits and you're saying, and then you have to, and then you have the media runs and says to every candidate for office, what do you think about the charges against Trump and his family? And you're like, well, first of all, if you had time to read it and had any real coverage, you'd say it's total nonsense. Um, but you don't have time and you're just sort of stuck with the negative thing, a negative, uh, moment, a negative, uh, note. And at this point in an election cycle, if you've ever run for office and you, you know, your late mother, Phyllis Schlafly used to talk about the, the, um, the uh the the experience of running for office and knowing what it how it works and how it feels and how it operates 50 days before an election people aren't thinking a lot but they're reacting to what they're hearing and it's just so scandalous that this is what we're living through yes and we as we've heard the united states justice department has a policy of standing down on politically oriented prosecutions but and and all states should do the same but they're not doing it yeah, it's um, it's amazing. All right. John Schlafly, the column is over at townhall. Uh, excuse me, townhall.com and then archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Thank you, John. As always, uh, we will talk again next week uh, and uh, have a great uh, weekend. John Schlafly, everybody, we will thank take you, th- Thank you, John. We'll take a break and we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The United Nations claims to be an organization dedicated to promoting peace throughout the world. Formed after World War II in an effort to prevent future wars, the United Nations has arguably done more to foment wars throughout the globe than any other entity on our planet. Yet globalists cling to the UN's tattered image of a noble peacekeeping body because they want to keep their own power. A naive American might be tempted to excuse the UN's failures to keep the peace as simply a noble idea poorly executed. Just one example of the UN's failures to secure peace comes from the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian Refugees, or RWA. This bureaucratic behemoth provides more services for Palestinians than the UN gives to any other refugee group in the world, and 58% of its billion-dollar budget is earmarked for education. One would assume that the education would teach these Muslim children to embrace peace with their Jewish-Israeli neighbors. Sadly, it's just not the case. Instead, UN-provided textbooks for the Palestinian children call for them to resist the so-called occupying Jewish forces. Just as the left tries to do here in America, the UN textbooks tell these children that as Palestinians, they are the helpless victims of colonialism. This victim mentality is probably why these children grow up to hate their neighbors to the point of widespread violence. 
The textbooks glorify Muslims who die in the pursuit of killing Jews and remind children that violent conflict against non-Muslims, also called jihad, is one of the doors to paradise. Obviously, the United Nations isn't just a hapless organization trying in vain to achieve world peace. They're actively fanning the flames of hatred in the hearts and minds of young people. At best, they're creating a problem so they can justify their own existence. At worst, they're plotting for the genocide of unfavored people groups. These insidious, power-hungry tyrants do not deserve our taxpayer dollars. In fact, the very best thing that the United States could do for the cause of world peace would be to immediately leave the United Nations once and for all. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, we're winding down, winding down. I want to, uh, I got a text from one of you all, and I wanted to revisit this subject, and, and it, the subject is this. Um, I had a couple of people say um, at the Eagle Council last weekend, what's the best publisher for conservative books? And so I, I don't want to list them all now. I do want to, someone asked me about Donald Trump. His son, Don Jr., was going to start an imprint. They did do one book uh, of um, a, a picture book, and I, it is out there. I'm not sure if they're doing other ones, but I do want to tell you about a couple of them. Republic Book Publishers is Al Regnery and Eric Campman, and both of those guys are very seasoned pros. They do a lot of books. They've got a lot of books out there. Of course, Regnery. Regnery is the old standing one. Al Regnery, that was his guy. I think his dad or grandfather that set that up there. Not related, but Tom Spence is the editor over there and uh, very, uh, very uh, helpful uh, site. Um, Skyhorse Publishing is Tony Lyons, um, also a very good guy and good books there. And then the big one right now is Post Hill Press, which uh, also Bombardier Books is within that. And that's uh, Anthony Zaccardi. And they are doing quite a few books uh, and so those are a few of them. I would say this more and more conservatives are finding smaller uh, outfits. Um, you know, Roger Kimball has done some publishing um, uh, and others, but it's uh, getting harder and harder. And so don't be as surprised when sort of somewhat noteworthy, somewhat famous, somewhat uh, uh, well-known folks actually publish um through either very small publishing houses or self-publish. And, and so it's not just, that's not just for the big boys and the big girls anymore um, that, uh, that you, that you only, you're limited to publishing and that, you know, you're, you're going to have to go to the big publishing houses. Uh, you, you may be that that's the way people are uh, need to do it. And the cost has gone down such that it's a real advantage to be able to go out there and self-publish if you want to. So keep an eye out for that, but there's a list of some of them. And I will tell you, uh, I get inquiries quite frequently from people who want to publish a book. Um, there is just no shortage of people who want to publish a book. It's harder than you think. 
I'm, I'm reminded of Colonel John Mills, who worked for a couple of years uh, to get his uh, book together, ended up self-publishing it himself. It's, it's as good and valuable as many that are published by the publishing houses. And I think it just became a more uh, controllable situation that he published it himself, that he'd be able to go out and do that because he couldn't uh, count on the big publishers to either get it done in a timely fashion or to get it done uh, uh, the way he wanted. And I will tell you, like back when uh, we had published some books with Phyllis Schlafly, um, she was often publishing with the bigger publishing houses, including Regnery. Uh, that was one she did a, a number of her last books with, uh, but also other ones throughout the years. And uh, in after her death, it became clear that it was easier for us uh, to publish her works uh, through our own publishing uh, our own publishing house and kind of create our own imprint, uh, which we did. And so we've done uh, uh, a number of volumes. We're down through uh, uh, four volumes of her writings. And you can uh, listen to that. I mean, you can get, check those out at our website, phyllisschlafly.com. So the old days where someone would self-publish, that would usually be like, oh, it must not be that good. Nowadays, it's, it could be as good or better than anything you're seeing. It's just the best way to do it. So uh, that's what I know right there. And that's what you know. And uh, now you know it. So there you have it. All right. Well, I wanted to answer that question, a text from one of you all. So listen, everybody, have a great weekend. Uh, it's a, a lot happening. There is a lot happening. Uh, and uh, we've got to stay informed, stay up to date, stay ready, and uh, keep getting ourselves uh, girded for battle. Uh, election day is only, uh, you know, now. Uh, less than two months away, obviously, and uh, it's coming on fast. All right, thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer. He does a ton to keep our show on, also produces Andrea Kay's show on The Answer San Diego. Thank you also to Joanna Spilger for her great work to keep many of our guests booked and to keep things going on time. So uh, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, sign up there for the daily email. And otherwise, I will talk to you next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.